This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Prime Spark, the podcast that brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. The second women's revolution is here, and it is time for us to fuel a spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Now, here is your host for Prime Spark, Sarah Hart. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Diana Dunbar-Place, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Diana Dunbar-Place, founder and CEO of Third Act Quest, describes herself this way. After years of dancing on the edges of my passions through a roller coaster life and career, It was the coincidence of three lightning strike experiences, a cancer diagnosis, loss of a business venture, an empty nest as I turned 60, that compelled me to dig deep to focus on what I truly wanted to do with my one wild and precious life. Fostering connection, inspiring others, and sharing people's stories have always been a personal passion. I had never put this passion front and center until Third Act Quest was born. Third Act Quest and the new 333 Collective are my way of reframing the perception and experience of aging by inspiring and connecting women as they create their life's most exciting chapter, their third act. My 35-year professional career includes a decade in Boston with a leading international ad agency, 10 years with America Online, AOL, Time Warner, in the exciting early days of the internet that culminated in a role of senior vice president. I also started three entrepreneurial ventures. I co-founded a cause marketing firm Dunbar, Hunter, and Associates, bridging corporations and nonprofits around ranges of issues from AIDS to homelessness, domestic violence, and breast cancer. I launched Wonder Blink Photography, a dream I'd had since I was 14, and the Global Design Post, an online platform for designers. Though each of these experiences was fascinating, remarkable, and expanded my life and my mind, it is what happened around my business career, the little breadcrumbs that I followed, that have driven me and were calling me all these years. I am grateful to have connected the dots 
to live my life in a way that brings me great joy and meaning. My favorite quote is, tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life by Mary Oliver. Welcome, Diana. I'm so happy you're here. Well, Sarah, thank you. I am honored to join you. I am always happy to see you. We've connected um, in our lives, like many of us, only through Zoom, but we're united in our mission, and I'm just really pleased to be here today. Thank you. I am so pleased you're here. So in getting started, let me just ask you, Mm -hmm. do you experience getting older? And if so, what is that experience? And if not, why do you think it is that you don't? Well, I I have to say uh, I have experienced getting older It's and in, in recognizing that, um, like many of us, you know, we feel young um, and we feel like that same child we've always been with a little bit more wisdom. And it isn't until we glance in the mirror, perhaps where we go like, who is that? That we realize we are getting older. And, but I, I want to bring up that there have been a couple of moments that really upset me. But then the good news for me, and I think all of us now, is that now I'm fully in it and loving it. Certainly, don't get me wrong, there are lots of disadvantages to aging, whether it be ageism in the workplace or culture and, and, and societal. But for me, the little ahas were, you know, being a mom later in life. I, I didn't have a child until I was 41. So I was the woman in kindergarten who some thought may have been the grandmother, you know? So I, I first experienced that like, oh, I'm not like you. I'm not, you know, that was my first recognition of being older. And later on, I think in my fifties with a lot of us, you, you, you tend to feel like you, you might start to disappear and being disregarded. Um, and I used to be able to sit in a boardroom and be heard. And now, um, you know, I didn't have even the keys or the, the door to open into the boardroom. So those were sort of pretty daunting feelings. But I have to say, and without being a Pollyanna, I have to say that I choose to embrace the possibility and try my best to just embrace every moment, aging or not. <laughs> so long answer to your beautiful question. But. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful answer to my question. Um, what, what occurs to me, Diana, is I'm sure you have experienced this also. When I talk to women across the board, almost, they say, well, yeah, I experience getting older. Like, when you, like what you said, when I look in the mirror or when I get out of bed morning, have a few more aches and pains. But other than that, I feel better than I've ever felt. I feel more me. I feel more who I'm meant to be. And that is so prevalent among older women. And that is not recognized in society. Yeah, I think you're right. The assum- I'm so happy to hear that first. But I think the assumption is... Oh, I feel so sorry for those, you know, like you said, I feel like any mask I've been wearing and I wore a few masks in my corporate life um, are all gone. I'm me. 
you know, like it or not. And that is the most freeing um, feeling, you know, as you say, whether I wake up with a couple aches in my shoulder or not, I really can feel like it can go out in the world and be who I am and right. not worry anymore. <laughs> that is that is exactly what I hear. And I'm sure you do, too, uh, that, you know, I don't I don't just don't care so much anymore what people think of me. I mean, I just, you know, I spent my life caring about that. And I just don't right, care so right. much anymore. So. Well, I also think, too, and it's so evident is that we can when we recognize that it's our choice, you know, we're the ones that are the drivers on this bus, you know, and you know, yeah, we're not necessarily always being treated well in the media or in the workplace and or in society, but it's our choice in how we experience all that stuff and choose to just move on, you know, and do what we wish. I have decided to become um, a bit of a um, observer. Mm, that's uh, a- you know, oh, look at that. It just happened again. Oh, look at that. It just happened again because um, I get angry when there's a really ageist um, and, yeah. and, and particularly a gendered ageist comment. But the only person that that harms is me. Absolutely. And so I'm really trying to I don't I'm not trying to to avoid it and ignore it. I'm trying to observe it and say, oh, look at that. Look yeah, at you're that. sort of like a reporter so as we, opposed to a, you know, someone who's angered by, angered yeah. by it. Yeah. Or I, what do you call a person who goes into a different culture and watches behavior? Like, the, I think, well, I, I like to think of it as being like a sociologist, being fascinated. Fascinated by, by it. what is the motivation? Or in the case of, I think about television shows that, you know, you know, complete, I forgot the name of, there was one that literally there was an older woman who was an employee and, oh my gosh, she did the most bumbling things, the most stupid things and people made fun of her. And I said, I got angry at first. And then like you, I said, you know what? It's clear that the writing team is younger and that they don't have um, any positive intergenerational relationships. But if they, if they loved and had a cool relationship with a teacher, a mom or grandmother, they wouldn't do this, but they don't. So it says to me, we need to work harder to, um, especially intergenerationally, um, to connect with each other yeah, better. Absolutely. Well, we're not so nice. We're not so nice to the, the youngers either. We, That's right. You know, no, we're not. Oh. I mean, I think the sooner we can stop talking about generational differences, and and I'm not saying they're not there, but stop talking about it. Let's look at the similarities and also what the differences, what are the gifts of the differences? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So you mentioned how you felt um, in kindergarten um, when, when you were an older mom. Mm-hmm. You in your introduction, you talk about one of the defining moments for you was your em- empty nest at sixty. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about that because that is so real for so many women. Well, there are two things that I'm going. Well, there are about seven thousand things I could say because I define my child, my 
fabulously wonderful soul of a daughter as my last and most perfect egg. Because like many women, I put off settling down and having children because there's part selfish. I wanted to do all this stuff. I said, all the women before me fought so hard to give me an opportunity in the workplace. And I was I had a really fun career and a lot of things going on. I kept just kicking the can down the road. So it's part selfish and it was part ignorance. I remember and was talking to someone whose daughter um, is delaying motherhood. And I said, you know, when I kept delaying it, I was using what was culturally the norm. You heard stories of, oh yeah, you have to start worrying about fertility in your late thirties. The minute I ended up not being able to get pregnant. I, there was this huge, sorry, there was a huge research study that basically was for the first time acknowledging that fertility started to dip at 27. So the reason I mentioned that is to me, um, that was huge. That was a huge thing. And I felt so badly the way, the reason the research study even happened is that there was a woman doing a study of women who'd broken through the glass ceiling and she got midway through it. I mean, she was interviewing people like Wendy Wasserstein, you know, Diane Sawyer, all these really, you know, remarkable woman, uh, women at that time. And they each, she said, without skipping a beat, she said, basically, most of them were childless and most of them had not planned it that way. And most of them had made decisions that delayed their marriage or their partnership or their attempt to have children. So she shifted her whole research from breaking through the glass ceiling to fertility. And it was a, a cover of Time magazine, but this was 19... 99 or so when this came out, I was like, that's a little late to be helping women understand things like that. But anyway, that's off, off question. But to me, um, it was remarkable. It was a remarkable thing that I almost missed out on. And a lot of people do miss out on for a variety of reasons. So, um, it's, it's quite meaningful to me in my life's journey. <laughs> then the empty nesting, which is yeah. the, the other part of it. Because I was older, I was so ready for her. I mean, and I drank in every moment. I put my work down for a period of time. That's when I went away from America Online and became a photographer. I always had to do something, but it was all about her. I put her front and center and said, I'm, I'm going to be her mom. Um, so when she left, it was the perfect timing for me to reinvent yet again. Um, but as she left, and she'll never leave technically, I mean, she's going to be so embedded in our, we're going to be embedded in each other's lives. But to me, it was such a beautiful thing to watch her fly um, because she was ready. And, you know, ironically, so was I. I wasn't in a heap on the floor like a lot of moms I, I talked to. I was just so excited for her. So that's a long answer to your question. No, it's not. So when you talk about the uh, impact in your 60s of being an empty nester, it basically was very positive. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. It's like, you know, she's off. She's ready. She loves us. I'm connected with her. She still calls me 
with advice questions, but I know that she is on, you know, and this is one of the things back to your intergenerational connection. Um, she's a marine biology um, undergrad. She's studying right, right now. She's in a research program studying the effects of microplastics on coral and is all about conservation and all that. So I went to a research symposium that she and about a hundred other undergrad students participated in. And I left that saying any, I felt like saying anyone who has fear about our future, whether it be in the medical or environmental things, the fact that these young people are here, I mean, they're remarkable. Um, so I have such great faith um, in the younger generation. So part of my work with Third Act Quest is definitely the core is to reframe aging, but a real um, hopefully widening effect is to have younger kids or younger adults even look forward to aging. Just so I've got to go through all these other different phases of my life, but it's not misery. It's not something to dread. So I hope to have an effect on younger people as well. I think that's wonderful. I one of my um, one of the things that keeps me from getting really just morose about a lot of the situations that we have right now is the younger generation. Um, and every once in a while, I think, okay, everybody, it's time for us to get out of the way and let them in here to get going because I really, I really have great faith and hope um, in them. And um, I think that the intergenerational, I would like to figure out another word for that because I really want to stop highlighting the different generations, you know, so I don't know what it is, but um, so Diana, you just mentioned your work with Third Act Quest. What, Mm -hmm. what is Third Act Quest and how did that come about? So the lightning strike moments you mentioned, which one of which was becoming an empty nester, came on the tail end of a pretty crazy cancer diagnosis and a little bit of a journey that necessitated that I shut down a business that I'd been, as I said, working on like night and day for four years. So at, at that moment, I was left clear. I was left clear with a clean plate. Um, And I was also left clear with so much gratitude to simply be alive. (laughs) You know, I, I, I also quite honestly, though I loved the business I was working on, I thought it was fascinating. It wasn't me. So I also felt like I got set free from a path that would not have been right for me. I mean, a lot of the paths in my life were, they, they excited me, but they weren't me. So I, this is a very interesting question because I sat um, with great joy and and calmness around this crazy time of life and just said, what, who am I really? What is it that are, like I said, the breadcrumbs, what are the threads? And they really were around a fascination for understanding people's behavior and mostly about hearing I have had been cultivating a lot of older female friends and also learning other people's stories, um, seeing the decisions that could be made to alter your life. Um, I also had done a lot of um, 
work on my own sort of not officially as a coach, but sort of helping gather groups of women. These were things on the side to sort of nurture themselves. So it all sort of came to like, okay, I'm going to tell the stories of third act women that are just living um, meaningful and and hopeful and happy lives. And um, I, I looked on and I thought, this is my third act. So I looked on the internet and Googled third act and this video by Jane Fonda came up. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but she talks about her third act and what a third act is. I'm like, okay, that's the name. And then the next next day I started and um, I do a number of different things. I have workshops and retreats for women um, around, I call it living forward. So we basically dig in and figure out and 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 start exploring. I help them start exploring different avenues for their third act. Most of the women I've worked with are in a transition. They're leaving a job. They're leaving a marriage. They're changing their lives. They're, you know, turning it all upside down. So that's that's one segment. But I um, but I also and this is very exciting. I've done two new things. I have a my um, annual storytelling event. And I think that's when I met you first. You were one of the people that came and you're actually one of our storytellers this year. It's our third annual, we call it the third act quest storytelling. Um, So that just brings me alive because I get to meet people like you. And I think I have now 20 other absolutely inspiring women doing all sorts of different things And I find the common threads for them are not only that they've just decided to follow their hearts, maybe for the first time, they've discovered the passions that have been there all along, but they're also very purpose-driven and which is neat because isn't it cool to get to this point in your life where you can figure out how you can serve and leave the world maybe a better place? Um, So at any rate, so those are the main core things. I also have a community that is a membership organization. So it's a private one called the 333 Collective. That's, I call it in beta right now. It is, um, oh my gosh, I'm so excited about it. Um, So I won't go into great detail, but it's basically a place where third act women or women over 50 can come and connect. It's not like another Facebook group. It's, it's totally different. Um, It has a bunch of different groups within a group, let's call it, where women get to raise their hand and say, I have a passion for this. Can I host a group? And I'll say yes. And then as they're developing that, they gather and have events now mostly online, but um, we're going to have more and more in-person events. So that sort of all melds into the storytelling event to make for really, I hope, a really connective, something that's really connecting. Um, Deep friendships, potential for collaboration, and, um, and also to help each other with each other's businesses, if they have businesses, is I'm seeing it starting to bubble up that way. So very excited. That's so cool. So what 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 is it about story that um, excites you or gets you? I mean, I love story, and I realize at some point that all I have to hear is somebody say, "Once upon a time," 
and I'm ready to sit down on the floor with a blanket and a cup of cocoa and I'll listen to them forever. Yes. What is it about that? Well, and this this is, you know, I am not a sociologist nor a psychologist, but I would say at the at its very basis, it's magic. It is a magical ways that we connect with each other and we we all crave it. You know, so I may look at a, you know, um, a, a male, you know, younger than I am, that's a plumber. And, you know, like, where do we connect? But when I hear a story from someone, I can connect with them. I also think we and this is why I like it, particularly for for inspiring women at this age, is that I think it's the very beginning for some women of making change, of gathering the courage to let their curiosity take over rather than their fear. Um, If you hear a bunch of stories of people who had horrific, challenging disruptions in their lives, yet now they're they discovered something new about themselves or about, you know, possibilities. The minute you hear that, it starts to bubble up in your head. So I think it's the connection. And I also think it's just to open up, crack you open in a way to saying there's that's possible for me too. So. I, th- I think I think this is true. Um, that if somebody is telling a really heartfelt to their knowledge, true story about themselves or their life. It's really hard not to like them. That's true. That's true. They're real. Yeah. And um, if somebody really goes to that point with their story, then I assume, I I suppose there are some people who I wouldn't find likable with the stories they tell. But generally speaking, I think that it it makes people likable to one another. Well, you know, don't you believe also that that's, you know, one of the things I think about a lot is what are the gifts we receive as we age? And, you know, one of them is a a lot more clarity about what our values are and what, how we feel about things and in coupling with not really needing to prove yourself to yourself or to anybody else, you know, I, I love the first time I said to someone, oh, yeah, I started that business, but it was a complete failure and with a smile on my face, not with, a, oh, my God, are they going to judge me and think I'm a, you know, not really that smart. I don't care. I mean, that is part of the journey. Right. So I think that's it, too. It's like if people open up and don't try to impress you, they're just trying to share with you. You can't help but like them, you know? It's not like a Facebook post. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Well, you know, isn't it interesting? There's something, too, that I wanted to to bring up that we talked about a little bit before, which is that, you know, women don't necessarily feel as comfortable. Um, Remember, we got the expression we were young, tooting their own horn. Right. Um, So there's a delicate blend between being what we would term as tooting your own horn, being, you know, bragging um, with, you know, telling the truth 
you know? So the truth could be, yes, I wrote a very, I didn't, but I wrote a very nationally acclaimed novel. That's a fact, you know? And so that's okay. But at the same time, I can also tell you that I cried for 365 days straight trying to write it. You know, those kinds of stories. I think Brene Brown did a really good job though, too, of letting us releasing um, the ability to be vulnerable is okay. It's, it builds trust and connection, really. Yes. One of the things when um, when I ask women to say something good about themselves, I will always say that I, I say this to men and women, but particularly to women. Don't take it away. Say what you did and let it rest. Don't mm. say, oh, that was just luck or I couldn't have done it if Susie hadn't been there or that's just, you know, don't don't. That's just just say it and let it rest. Yeah, it's a and fact. You can watch women just <laughs> really uncomfortable with that initially because we did. We all learned not to toot our own horn, even with stuff that's factual. I know. I, well, how many times have you been in a conversation where somebody is remarking about an accomplishment and you don't want to bring it up because you don't want to feel like you're competing with them. You know, sometimes it's appropriate to hold back, but I love what you said. Just say it, but don't add the additional that wipes it off, you know, wipes away. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's important, right? It is important because um, if you listen to women talk about themselves, that is a very strong habit we have that we that we've learned that you say something really positive but then you you, oh but you know well that's where ageism i think is really contributing to a shrinking a feeling for a lot of women i've worked with in the past i get a sense of them shrinking their confidence has shriveled dramatically they know who they are inside and then they encounter enough ageism from outside and it just pushes it further and further till they start believing it. Right. And that's, that's, you know, talk about anger producing. That's really sad. It's a really, really sad. bad way. Um, but I think, I think because of people like you and your podcast and so many other people, thank God are, are actively, you know, there are some people who are activists. There are some people who are encouragers. My method is storytelling and connection and community. I think it's there are so many of it at us coming from a number of different angles and try to change the way it feels to be old. Right, right. We're alive, okay? We're alive. <laughs> it's a gift. There's so many women in the world who don't have the opportunity to get old. So, you know, so oh, Diana, from your bio and from everything I know you have done so many things and don't 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 laugh (laughs) well I laugh because I really I have like the wildest portfolio of things it's a wonderful portfolio but what's next what's next what are your dreams what's what's coming thank you for asking so a I'm doing a lot of my what's next from last year already, which is to launch the 333 Collective. We already have in the mid fifties in terms of numbers of women. My what's next with that, it's gonna be global. It's never gonna be immensely huge because I want it to stay intimate and you know, you know, people 
that are like-minded about this stage of life. So that's singing and that's just making me happy. The storytelling event is happening again. The what's next on that is 2023. I want to be in person with stories and, and experiences. And I'm hoping you'll be there. And lots but of the, hot chocolate. Oh my gosh. Lots of, lots of everything. I think it's going to be so much fun, but for me, I can see us all sitting on pillows, listening to each other, but, um, my real dream is one that's been in me since I think I was like 17. So I've always been a photographer. I've always been the person in my family and my friend group who's chronicled everything. And I had a, a, I was a professional photographer for four years and I ended up not wanting that to be my business. Um, but it's still very much a part of my life. But What's really been a part of me since I was 17, this is very bizarre, but I've had the opening, you know, probably two minutes of a film that I want to create in my head since I was young. And it's, I'll tell you what it is. It's, I'm going, going down under through a beautiful LA of trees, looking up to the sky. And you've seen that through the sunroof of your car. So I'm not sure how it all fits in. I'm starting to put the pieces together around a concept, as I mentioned before, the gifts of your third act. Um, I have an idea. I don't know whether it's a documentary, whether it's a film and maybe it's fictional. I have no idea at this point, but that's my dream. And so I keep nurturing it by the amazing connections I've been making recently with a number of amazing women filmmakers, um, Melissa Davey, who I'm betting, you know, who started uh, doing her films at 65, Sky Bergman, Xu Shen, a number of women I'm meeting who are going to film as a way to express themselves and share with the world. Um, so that's my dream. That's wonderful. Well, I will at some point uh, when we're together somewhere tell you about my dream for a film that I've had for years and years and years, but I'm not a photographer. So I've never figured out how to get it done. So we'll have to talk about this. Somewhere. Well, and this, okay, we should, because the other day I was on the phone with somebody who said, yeah, I want to make a film. And I'm saying, I think maybe what I'm forming is a team of connections of people that want to play a part in co-creating a film. Who knows? You yeah. know, love it. Who knows? So Diana, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to find out more about any of these things you've talked about, what is the best way for them to contact you? Well, I'll share my email. It's Diana at thirdactquest.com. And my website is just simply thirdactquest.com. And there's a contact there in case you forget the email. But yeah, I'm, I love to hear from people. I'm also on LinkedIn um, as Diana Place. And um, I meet a lot of people there. And I love, I love how we've really used that as a great place for sharing ideas and meeting people. Uh, so that's, that would be wonderful. I'd love to hear from anyone. So that's our time. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. 
Thank you so much to my guest, Diana Dunbar-Place. And don't forget, you can find her at Third Act Quest, T-H-I-R-D-A-C-T, <laughs> Q-U-E-S-T dot com with a contact. She's also- Can I say leader. one more thing before I leave? Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned my favorite quote, and it's a question that I love for everyone to contemplate. It's the end of Mary Oliver's poem called A Summer Day, and it is- Tell me, what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Now, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, it does for me. It does me. <laughs> I've read it and heard it many times, and I still get goosebumps. So, oh, I'd love it. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. Take care. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on Prime Spark. With each episode, Sarah Hart brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes about remarkable, experienced women, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. The second women's revolution is here, and we hope that you use the insights you've gained here to fuel the spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.